when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the pilot episode of Set the Tape Rewind. And I am your host, Owen Hughes, co-editor of setthetape.com with my good mate, Tony Black. Here's how things work. Every fortnight on Set the Tape Rewind, we'll be recapping the last two weeks across film, TV and all that other stuff. Coming up on the programme, I'll be joined by Set the Tape writer Steve Norman to talk about the Golden Globes in part one of the show, as well as previewing some upcoming movies in part two. We'll hit the goggle box for some catch-up TV centred around BBC's latest apocalyptic drama, some X-Files news and two shows you really should be watching. Our free play section this week focuses on the world of comic books with issue 175 of Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead landing in your pull lists, as well as some more Star Wars with a couple of new adventures courtesy of IDW Publishing and there's still time to glance at the newest sales on Comixology. Lovely. Who knows what topics await us in the next free play section. Music, books, interviews, guests. It could quite literally be anything that we can put a microphone in front of. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Hello, Steve. Welcome to the first episode of Set the Tape Rewind, my old partner in crime from Fail Critics. How are you doing? I'm good. I can't believe you wanted me to do this as you should have known better, really. I know. Ending Fail Critics and then bringing you back anyway. Yeah, after five years of podcasting together, you (laughs) started another one. I thought you were trying to get rid of me. Obviously not. No, because we've dragged you in. Yeah. But we've got a, a completely different format for our critics, so anyone who's listened to that before, this is new. Um, let's kick off with film, and there's only one thing to, to start the first episode with, and that is the Golden Globes. Last night saw the results from a very politically charged 75th Golden Globe Awards, with sexual inequality dominating speeches and much of the subsequent discussion, as stars wore all black for the revered ceremony. Reese Witherspoon was one of the many women accepting awards on the evening to make a point of thanking those who took a stance in the Me Too campaign, while Natalie Portman introduced the all-male nominees for Best Director. Cecil B. DeMille, award winner Oprah Winfrey, took most headlines away from other winners on the evening with a speech that has seen semi-serious calls for the illustrious celeb to run as president. So straight off the bat, Steve, what was uh, your reaction to last night's Golden Globes? Winners, political calls, the lot. I can't help but feel that this was the ideal Golden Globes for Ricky Gervais to have hosted. (laughs) Yeah, could you imagine? Could you imagine? I think his um, brand of humour would have worked quite well with everything that was going on. He's never really afraid to... um, talk about the elephant in the room. I suppose it wasn't an elephant in the room, really, because everyone was talking about it. He certainly would have um, 
ripped into a few people, especially if there's anybody out there being hypocritical. Um, mm, mm. Yeah, it's interesting in so much... I mean, Natalie Portman commenting on the um, best director um, category being all male. All male nominees, I think she said, yeah. See, now, I've, you'll know from our time on Fail Critics, I'm probably not one to keep up on who's directing what and everything, but for, for me... Were the, I mean, looking at the list of nominees, and I haven't seen them all yet, being in the UK, it's some of these films aren't even out here yet, so we haven't even had a chance to see them yet. Um, mm-hmm. But are there any films directed by women that deserve to be in that category? Because for me with these things, tokenism, just having a woman in the, say, in the category, a woman director in there, or a black director, or a, a director of any different... Um, ethnicity or minority or whatever just because you want to tick a box is worse than not having one you know if if there's five or six films that go into the best director category and the five or six best films are all directed by men then why shouldn't it be that way but if there's films in there that were directed by women that deserve to be in that conversation then why weren't they in there well, Greta Gerwig um, was nominated. Um, her film uh, Lady Bird received some plaudits. She got nominated, I think, for the screenplay, um, but she also directed yeah. that film, so she wasn't nominated as um, as director. I mean, it's an odd one, isn't it? Because you've also got a, a year where that we've just had where Patty Jenkins uh, is one of the most highest-grossing directors of the year with Wonder Woman, of course. Um, and also in in that climate, the whole sort of post Harvey Weinstein um, industry that that has developed out of that, it's kind of I understand uh, the frustration, and you know I, I sympathise as much as I can with it. You know I'm not involved in filmmaking, I'm not um, a, a part of the industry in any way, but this small thing where I occasionally do podcasts about films. Um, so you know, I can kind of understand where the where the frustration comes from. But you know, the the, the criticism, um, just playing devil's advocate a little bit, the criticism that gets leveled at campaigns like this and and stuff like the Oscars So White campaign. I mean, is this the the right platform? Is it a useful platform uh, to enact change like this in the industry? Uh, or is it just more self-aggrandizing? Because you've got to bear in mind, right, this is a, a ceremony devised by the industry to promote the industry and the cogs that were within it's, it. Yeah, it would be better if these people were... I mean, it's a big, it's a big stage for the people to... Um, the people with, with complaints and with protests and with issues. It's, the, it's a big stage you know, a global stage to raise them, to bring them up. But I can't help but feel that by accepting the award, you're kind mm-hmm. of accepting the the problem. And if, yeah. if you were to boycott it, so if you you didn't turn up, it's not like the Brit Awards where they just give it to people who turn up. <laughs> because that's essentially what that is. You know, you're, if, you, <laughs> if your agent tell, tells the Brit Awards you're going to be there on a night, you'll probably win something. They'll make up a yeah. new category just to give you a, a, a statue. But, you know, I can't help but feel that if it Reese Witherspoon who... Yes. I just think, boycott it. Just don't go. And then if the, if the press ask you why I haven't gone, say, I'm not going because, if, because this ceremony 
is put on by the organisation or by the industry that is doing whatever it's doing. I don't agree with that, so I'm not going to go and accept its award. But, I get, you know, the, the counter-argument, of course, is that you, you go to these things and you do use it as that platform but, and you do become an agent of change. But, by... but being the status, having the status they have, mm. they don't need to go to an award ceremony to, to have that platform. They could boycott that, them boycotting the award ceremony and not accepting, not accepting the award they've been, been given or been um, awarded or been voted for, whatever, by them not accepting that, not being there on the night, not going on stage, picking up the award, doing a little speech, mm-hmm. and then afterwards, okay, so you won, you weren't there to accept it, why not? I didn't go, I don't agree with the industry and the way it's being run and the way things are happening, so I didn't go. That is more of a statement than going up there and saying on stage at this award surrounded by all the people who are doing the things that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a less public statement, though, isn't it? Because but they could, you could but they could make it, but they who... could make it as public as they like. I mean, how many millions of Twitter followers are these people going to have if they go on to whatever the biggest yeah, news? Pro, you know, news. The, yeah, if they went on to Jimmy Fallon or something, whatever, who the, you know, James Corden's mm. chat show, or whatever, and made the point of it on there the week after the Golden Globes, it would be just as big. They'd just have just mm, as big possibly. an audience. Mm. Yes. Also, also, just just with a quick add-on to yeah. these points, why are we still in a stage where the best actor and best actress are separate categories? I think there's still possibly an argument for that because if you look at, like, I, I don't want it's not it's not positive discrimination at all. I wouldn't call it that, but it would you would end you could potentially end up in a situation similar to the whole Oscars so white campaign where it could just be ten white blokes nominated. For best performance, and uh, and then you know, or five white blokes and no women, and think of the Ferrari that would surround that. So yeah, I kind I kind of understand why it's still separate, and it possibly is. I mean, there is inequality within the industry by tons of different metrics. So it it would be the right thing, an ideal world where we didn't have to separate them. But I see why it is done that way, not just traditionally, but from a point of view of looking to the future. Well, let's very quickly run through some of the award winners. As you said earlier, a lot of these films haven't actually come out in the UK yet. Yeah. So we haven't seen them. We can't talk about them in any in any great detail. Um, but three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, took home four awards on the evening. Uh, got Best Motion Picture as a drama. Picked up Best Screenplay as well, ahead of uh, Greta Gerwig's uh, Lady Bird. And got Best Supporting Actor and Best Actress in the Drama as well. Guillermo del Toro won Best Director for The Shape of Water, uh, which we haven't seen yet. It's not out until February, I believe, over here. Possibly even after the Oscars, uh, when it hits UK cinemas. But it was also the most nominated film of the evening. Gary Oldman won Best Actor in a Drama for playing Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour, which we might talk about a little bit later as well. And Saoirse Ronan of Lady Bird uh, fame, as I again talked about earlier, picked up a Best Actress in Comedy and Musical with Alison Janney of I, Tonya winning Best Supporting Actress. And those are the main categories from the Golden Globes. They are, of course, all online. Just before we wrap up this section, Steve... We're going to end these uh, bits with a little bit of a preview of what's coming out. So what are you most looking forward to in the next couple of weeks hitting UK cinemas? 
Uh, and why? Well, three three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, or I think three billboards, everybody's calling it, just because of the um, reaction it's had from mm. pretty much everybody. I mean, Golden Globes, for example, it's picked up a fair few awards and it seems to be going down pretty well, possibly Oscar contention, so that one's going to be worth seeing. I think that's out on Friday in the UK. Yeah, we, I mean, if people go to setthetape.com and search for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, we do have a review that's on there already because the film was previewed at the London Film Festival last year, so we've got a review from uh, from Callum Petch of that yeah. um, from October last year. So the film I'm quite looking forward to in the next couple of weeks is Steven Spielberg's film The Post, uh, which is Got a review coming up in the next couple of weeks from uh, Paige over and set the tape as well. It's a, a political drama about the formation of the Washington Post. It's got Tom Hanks, probably being Tom Hanks as he is in every Spielberg movie. Uh, and it's also got Meryl Streep in it. It's It sounds really interesting. I've heard it's described as not the greatest Spielberg, but then a good Spielberg is still better than most films, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm quite interested to see the post. Yeah, The Commuter strikes me as something <laughs> that I'll wait until it's out the on commuter, Netflix. The Commuter, the most boring name for a film. Yeah. Especially because you've had yeah. him, uh, you've had Liam Neeson in Nonstop, which was set on a plane. And now we've got The Commuter set on a train. It's automobiles next, isn't it, Steve? It's got to be, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, this section is all about TV. So, pre-apocalyptic crime thriller Hard Sun from writer and creator Neil Cross of Luther fame made its debut on BBC TV at the weekend and the box set of all six episodes has already been added to iPlayer. Uh, the series follows Agnes Dane, recently seen in Black Mirror on Netflix, and Jim Sturgis as cops in a world that is set for a solar instigated extinction event within the next five years. Steve, you've already seen this. Uh, I've seen the first episode. Have you seen more than more than one episode? No, just the first episode. I mean, it's interesting that iPlayer have put it mm. all on... Um, BBC have put it all on iPlayer in one go. It's unusual for them, but it's something that they've um, done in conjunction with Hulu. That's right, they, yeah. So, so it's probably why they've done that. Um, I like the first episode. Pre, don't get much pre-apocalyptic TV, do you? No, you get, a lot, you get lots of post-apocalyptic, post. <laughs> you know, The Walking Dead and and um, Z Nation, Z Nation is yeah, the fantastic <laughs> Z Nation, yeah, the Asylums. Uh, it's still, yeah. Is it still the Asylum who produced it Z Nation? Is, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting as well because it gives it a finality, doesn't it? Like they have to end it. They can't yeah. make this show go on for more than five yeah. years, realistically, at most. Yeah, uh, and the ra- you know the rate that BBC produced dramas like this, you would say maximum of five series yeah i mean it might be a self-contained one series thing you don't don't really know until i've seen the whole the whole lot um Mm. some people listening to this might have seen the whole lot by now if they were that engaged with the um the first episode i I mean i'm I'm like you i thought it was quite interesting start i was watching the first sort of half an hour wondering if i was going to be into this at all i kind of i liked the the writing i just felt it was a a little bit slow and a bit formulaic at first. Uh, well, it's, 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 I mean, taking the pre-apocalyptic side of it out, yeah. it's two cops who are quite different. The two cops that don't, don't particularly, you know, get on to start yeah. with, getting involved in, in something that they shouldn't be getting involved in. Yeah, chasing down a flash drive. Yeah, because, I mean, just investigating a murder to start without giving too much away, they're giving away or, or they're investigating a death. 
and they they end up getting uh they're embroiled in like this government conspiracy basically yeah it it is a lot like luther in the sense that um what i imagine is going to be cops going against orders to do going rogue you know cops going rogue yeah, like the, the, the way that the first episode ends clearly sets up the rest of the series to be, okay, so everything that's just happened in that first episode is the setup. And yeah. now we'll probably get a weekly episode that deals with a different thing, uh, is how I interpret the this, this series. I, and like you, I'm going to go back and watch more. I, like I said, I was unsure to start with. Um, there was a bit in there with a really well-shot um, vehicle chase scene because, you know, it's it's a cop thriller. It's got to have a, a car chase, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, and that was done quite well, I felt. And from that point onwards, uh, I got more interested in the conspiracy. Um, we don't so, really know after episode one what the, the conspiracy is yet, what the actual... Exactly. We just know it's uh, an extinction level event. There's yeah. five years to go. Um, and, uh, well, that, that's pretty much it, isn't it? I mean, the last kind of thing like that extinction level event with five years ago, Bruce Willis was sent up to blow up an asteroid. <laughs> they could but, be doing the same thing in this. We, yeah. we don't know yet. They might divert the uh, crisis somehow. Yeah. So that was Hard Sun. That came out. Um, was it? That came out this weekend. So Saturday night, the, the pre-match today slot it was in. Prime time telly, which is usually yeah. reserved for casualty. Does that mean but, your brother is out of a job? Not yet. No. no. <laughs> no. Uh, we also had the X Files come back. Uh, which I think Tony would never forgive us if we we didn't mention uh, for it, for its series eleven. It's had a very lukewarm reception so far. Yeah, not the not the uh, best reaction to the uh, the first episode. I mean, I watched the last season sort of come back, mm-hmm. and that was okay. Mm. Yeah, so there was like an epidemic of uh, like a plague or something. Wasn't yeah, it, in series ten. Yeah, which itself wasn't that successful either i think the I biggest preferred the monster of the week episode yeah they, i mean I, I, it's been a while since i last watched the x-files but yeah they were always the, the best ones weren't they yeah i guess the biggest news to come out of uh x-files world is that uh chris carter the creator isn't um going to continue with the series apparently um there's a it's up in turmoil um julian anderson's uh exited the show uh, and so he won't carry on with Scully, which is right. I don't think they should. They tried when um, Mulder left, didn't they? Yeah, but I just don't think you can carry on with, without one of them. The dynamic between the two of them is very good. It's definitely detrimental to the, yeah. to the quality of the show if uh, if you have uh, one of its key characters who the whole 11 seasons have been built around, yeah. you know. So, yeah. But So that's X-Files uh, news. Uh, we've also seen Game of Thrones has been pushed back to 2019 as well. Disappointed? I know you're not the, the biggest fan of this, Steve. Well, I, I do like Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's this, this great show that everyone makes out to be. I mean, some people talk about it as, you know, the upper echelons of all-time television, mm. which it definitely isn't. It's um, just kind of a, a good fantasy show. It might help bridge the gap if the next book was actually released, but I doubt that's going to happen because he seems to keep putting back, releasing that book regularly mm. i can wait put it that way you can wait yeah i can wait i mean i would prefer i i, I really did enjoy the last season i know it's i enjoyed bit... it it was good fun mm. it was it, it was it was very quick compared to other recent series it all zipped by quite fast but 
Uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed to see it pushed back another another year, but at the same time, I, you know, I'm not that desperate to see it either. I, I want to see the conclusion. I want to see what happens. But yeah, I'm not going to uh, go insane waiting for it. So yeah. in terms of previews of stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks, is there anything you're looking forward to seeing? I mean, I, I can start this one as you did film, if you like, and just say that uh, Inside Number 9 is back on TV. Reese Smith and Steve Pemberton's, uh, do you, I guess you could call it an anthology series. You know, each episode is different. Yeah, I've never seen that. The episodes can be hit and miss. I mean, they're more often hit than they are miss. There's an episode in the first series which is a silent episode, which is where uh, Reese Smith and Steve Pemberton are two cat burglars trying to steal a rare painting from a house. And it is just fantastic so well written and also in the first series they've got an episode called sardines where they're all stuck in a cupboard playing a game of sardines like always inside a wardrobe again which shouldn't really work as tv but it does because steve uh, steve pemberton and Rishi smith are just fantastic writers brilliant brilliant character actors uh, and the new series which started uh, last week as well uh with the episode zanzibar set inside a hotel was a farce more of a sort of comedic uh, venture than some of their other episodes, which take quite a dark turn, which was okay. It was interesting. Uh, I've seen lots of people, can, uh, particularly for sort of the people I follow on Twitter who are into lots of TV and reviewing of uh, media and mass consumption of these kind of shows, uh, proclaiming it to be genius television, fantastically well-written. It wasn't my favourite episode in fact, I kind of felt like it was one of the weaker ones. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to watch the show anymore because, like I said, every episode is different and I just love these guys so much that I can have faith that even if this one wasn't to my liking, the next one might be. Yeah. So Inside Number 9 is what I am looking forward to this week. Is there anything that's taken your eye that's coming up in the next sort of week or two? I need to finish watching Black Mirror, the new series. Um, okay, Black on, Mirror. Yeah. On Netflix. But now Black Mirror has been great as well. There's I mean, I, I've watched the first season and then never really followed up on it, so I'm still working through season three now before I get on to season four, the new ones. Oh, well, yeah, you've, you're in for a treat then because there's still some quality episodes. And I really like the USS Callister uh, episode, the very first episode of the new series. It's um, just great. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So this is our free play section, and uh, we get to choose a topic that we want to chat about. Steve, uh, comics I'm going to ask you about this week um, because there's a couple of things that you've been reading recently uh, some Star Wars stuff which we, we can come on to in a moment but The Walking Dead hit issue number 175 uh, which is quite a big milestone for a series that yeah. Robert Kirkman originally was 
uh, Adamant would probably never get past episode uh, episode issue number one hundred, which it flew by. Um, and now it's even got its own TV show, which is well past, uh, well into its eighth season now. Yeah, which is so, its own little bag of uh, of joy, isn't it? Yes, because um, that's not a word you would uh, <laughs> probably no, associate the, 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 with comic or TV. The, well, the, the the TV show is loosely following the um, direction of the comic, so there's different character. I mean, there's some characters in the TV show that weren't even in the comics. Mm-hmm. And there's some that are uh, 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 still alive that aren't in the comics, and vice versa. And there's you know different characters depending on what happened to them in the in the show or the comics, and have picked up the traits of other characters to you know. But it's 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 the TV show is loosely following the outline of the where the comics is going mm-hmm. at the moment, anyway. I have to admit, I dropped out of the the trade paperbacks I was collecting. I wasn't getting um, individual issues. I can't remember why I, I I quit. I just thought it was getting really silly. Right. Yeah, I couldn't keep up with it. It just it just lost my interest a little bit. Um, yeah. And I think it because it does have this whole thing where it um, goes through a, almost like a season, doesn't it? And then that story is concluded, and it starts again, and it kind of repeats ad nauseum. Yeah, of, I mean, much much like the TV show, the yeah. the comic follows a kind of formula of. Rick's group are in a community, mm-hmm. then there's a threat to the community, and then they deal with that threat to the community, and then there's another threat to the community, and then they deal with that threat to the community. <laughs> yeah. Re- rinse and repeat, basically. Yeah. What's the new thing that started with issue number Well, I mean, I don't know how much... I don't want to say too much about the one they've just finished, because uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the plot line they've just kind of finished, because... Um, no, fair enough. It, you it know, might, it might, be... it might spoil stuff for the TV show as it stands, but they have res- just resolved the Negan plot thread. Okay. Um, the thing that directly follows on from from Negan as well, but Negan's Negan's journey is uh, it's been We've resolved. Seen... Okay, right. Uh, and then, so the next thing is that um, the Rick's group, namely Eugene, has been in communication on the radio with somebody from a different community further away than theirs, mm-hmm. and himself, Michonne, and some other characters that we won't know because they're not in the TV show yet. Actually, one of them might be, I think. But there's some other characters that aren't in the TV show yet, or mm-hmm. possibly ever, we don't know. Um, they have gone out to find this new community. And in, in issue 175, they come across this this new community, which is a much larger one than any they've come across before, approximately 50,000 people. Um, and they all seem quite well organised. There's, I suppose, soldiers of sorts who have kind of what looks like new and uh, new armour and look all quite well equipped. So, I mean, it sounds yeah. like it, it, it's, it's all just trucking along as it always does then. Yeah. You know, there's no... It's, yeah. still, it's, still, it's still enjoyable, though. I mean, it's still... It's still a... You know, it's still a a fun mm-hmm. comic to read it's, it's monthly as well so I suppose it doesn't if it was weekly it might get tired quite quick but because yeah. it's monthly you're not kind of um, overdone with it but they do, they do tend to be monthlies um, be, I mean for the simple fact that you'd be paying like three quid every week for the comic which would be yeah. ridiculous um, 
But uh, we talk about Image in a moment, publishers of uh, The Walking Dead, because they've got a sale on, on Comixology, and I want to just pick out a few things that people might find interesting, or some recommendations that I've got. But before we move on to talk about um, the Image sale, let's have a chat about uh, some Star Wars comics, because people are still interested in Star Wars, right? Star Wars is still a, a thing, even though it's, you know, three, four weeks after Last Jedi hit cinemas. Yeah. But we've we've got some comics which come through from uh, which we were courtesy of IDW Publishing. Um, Star Wars Adventures. We've seen a review of from Ian. Uh, he's put a review up on Set the Tape. Amy as well has, has uh, reviewed a couple of um, Star Wars comics for us recently. Most notably, I think Star Wars Adventures uh, is up on the site already. Um, you've also been sort of playing along with these uh, in preparation for this podcast. So any any standout issues or comics that you, you've read in the Star mm. Wars uh, batch? Not really. They're, they're all okay. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're all kind of, I mean, the Force of Destiny ones are all sort of aimed quite, you know, they're quite kiddie ones. Sure. And they're all kind of self, all of the comics that I've read certainly all seem to be self-contained little stories involving mostly the main characters from the Star Wars universe. And some of them are going back as far as the prequel era or the original trilogy era. So, yeah. Uh, or some of them are even going, you know, looking at the characters from the new films. But it's they're okay. But, you know, I, I was kind of hoping for something that might give a bit more depth to the, the Star Wars universe or look at something that we've not seen before or maybe expand on some things that we've seen in the films that, you know, we want to know a bit more about, um, mm-hmm. have a bit more depth to them. They're certainly not kind of like um, a kind of gritty like adult comic. They're not even sort of in tone like or, or aimed at the same kind of age group as like the Walking Dead comics are that I just spoke about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was perhaps hoping for something a bit more like that, something a bit more grown up maybe. Uh, yeah, they're okay. I mean, kids would kids would love them. I'm sure. That's, that's generally been the consensus from the reviews that we've had up on the website. Um, you know, they're getting kind of three, four star reviews. Interesting if you're really into the characters, but uh, perhaps only for kind of diehard collectors. Otherwise, that sounds sort of fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, I was going to talk about the sale which is going on on Image uh, uh, Trades at the moment. Uh, a line-wide sale on Image Comics, which is on uh, Comixology, which is owned by Amazon. Uh, never used to be. I used to be... Um, I've been with Comixology since the start, the digital comics distributors, um, because they have some fantastic sales that go up. For example, I can look at the, the best sellers that they've got at the moment and see that the first volume of Saga is down to three ninety nine. dollars uh, Brian uh, K. Vaughan's comics, which have garnered so much critical acclaim i would be surprised if that doesn't get turned into a kind of epic fantasy series pretty sharpish um presumably picked up by amazon uh we've also got descender which i've been reading lately which is by jeff lemire he is possibly my favorite writer at the moment uh and descender's a very complex and interesting sci-fi uh series it's about a little robot boy who um, awakes after 10 years to find that he has a connection to some giant robots that have 
practically wiped out humanity um, or reduced it significantly uh, and re resulted in a revolt from humankind against AI. And he's one of the sort of last remaining on the outskirts little boys. Just brilliant story. Again, touches on lots of Jeff Lemire's tropes um, around sort of relationships between boys and their fathers. Um, but yeah, just fantastic. That's down to £2.49 at the moment for the first volume called Tin Stars. Uh, you've, I mean, there's there's uh, Kieran Gillen's The Wicked and the Divine, which is down uh, to two fifty as well. Scott Snyder's Witches is also in the sale. There's uh, just Manhattan Projects by Jonathan Hickman. Just so much. Like, you can just scroll through the list and you will find something uh, worth worth picking up. If, you, if you're into the art as your primary motivator for buying comics, Bedlam is also included in the sale with art by Fraser Irving. Very twisted, but gorgeous to look at. So those are a few of my picks from the Image Comic Sale, which I sincerely hope is still running by the time that we publish this, this episode. Thank you for listening to the first ever episode of STT Rewind. The music was given with permission by Jack Stewart, who you can find on Twitter as at Duke. That's J-O-O-K. And the episode was edited by me, Owen Hughes, co-editor of setthetape.com with Tony Black. I was joined this week by Steve Norman. We would love to know what you thought of the show, warts and all. So please email in at info at setthetape.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Set The Tape. We hope you enjoyed the show and hopefully we'll see you again next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.